Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. 1 Corinthians was so exciting and so powerful and so well received that Paul decided to make a sequel. Today we're looking at 2 Corinthians 1-4, to and probably most of what I said is not really true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Uh, I think something that is threaded throughout these first chapters is interesting is that there is this idea of Paul feeling, I guess, almost that he's being um, blamed for being insufficient, for being an apostle of Christ. Um, There are many that he is encouraging um, about being sufficient enough. There in our study Bibles mentions the word sufficient or sufficiency is mentioned at least three times in the first three chapters. Um, So he's definitely encouraging them. Um, He is, I guess, validating himself that he is, I guess, worthy of the cause. And um, there were actually a couple of things that stuck out to me today uh, going along with that sufficiency idea um, is that as we are growing in Christ and knowing who we are in him, uh, verse 16 in chapter 4 really stuck out to me just about some of the things we've been talking about the day before. I think it was the day before yesterday um, when we were talking about like our physical bodies and our eternal selves um, and just what it looks like to constantly be at work to grow that that spiritual self as our physical bodies are decaying. So we'll get to that chapter in a second. Um, one of the interesting things about this letter is it is written one year after the first Corinthians letter. And we've talked about several times, Paul has a pretty active back and forth with this Corinthian church. We have two letters that have survived. There were many other than these two. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see the the relationship that's there. Paul's aware of what they're struggling with. They are uh, either pro-Paul or anti-Paul. Mm-hmm. He's tackling all these things. You had mentioned, Jenny, um, that you get kind of frustrated with his uh, talking about his plans all the time. Well, it just seems kind of silly. You're like, you're kind of just like getting this weird little snapshot of what he was up to or like what he wasn't up to based on his travel plans. It's just kind of like, okay, this is kind of goofy. I don't need to know that he would really like to be there, but plans change. It just sounds like you're reading a grandma letter. So that that's actually what's exciting about it. It is like reading a grandma letter, but oh, that's huh. actually one of the proofs that it is a real thing. Like mm-hmm. that, that his actual plans don't mean as much to us as they would have uh, to them. But that is one of the ways you can see that this is an authentic letter from Paul. He's talking about real uh, journeys that he's going on, and he's explaining to a real audience about how he's trying to get to them, just like somebody would explain that to you um, if if you received a letter. I guess we don't we don't receive nearly as many letters as we used to, probably. Um, but that's a lot of chapter one. Is that chapter two is really interesting. Um, a couple would have been a couple days ago. We talked about First Corinthians chapter five. And 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is this uh, man who has an inappropriate relationship with his husband's wife. Uh, We're not sure exactly the details and exactly what's going on there, but we do know that Paul accuses him of sexual immorality and uses very strong language uh, about throwing the guy out of the church. So here in 2 Corinthians 2, uh, Paul actually is like, he's almost like opposite Paul. Paul's basically saying, hey, uh, he has gone through enough. He caused you a lot of pain. Uh, but now I'm asking you to forgive and comfort him. This is Second Corinthians uh, two seven. So you should rather uh, turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. 
is really interesting because a lot of times if you have any experience with church discipline, my guess is you either have... This is not a part of the equation. Exactly. <laughs> you've either not really seen it. Um, you've seen like discipline by gossip or something. Like n- there's no formal process. Most likely most churches are kind of that way. Or you've seen extreme church discipline where like actually growing up, like there was some church discipline in the church that I was attending when I was a kid where there was like a letter that went in everybody's mailbox. I don't know if you guys remember having mailboxes at church, but there was a letter about a specific person uh, and what that person had done in everybody's mailbox. And then they like addressed it in the announcements period before the sermon. And obviously that person was very embarrassed. And obviously that person, I don't think really ever came back. Um, So the interesting thing about Paul's discipline is he's saying, okay, This man's been removed from your congregation, from your uh, group of believers for about a year, and it is now time to pursue restoration. He has been handed over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, and now I'm calling you to forgive him and restore him. So if you're doing church discipline uh, without restoration, you are committing a serious miss, I would say. It's kind of weird. I can't get over the fact that you guys used to send out letters. Did you Did you ever have any of that kind of stuff? I don't think so. I mean, if we did, it was not like straight up. It was like, oh, <laughs> sad thing happened. But it's I guess usually... transparency is kind of good. But at the same time, <laughs> like, holy crap, I'm glad it wasn't me. It was very awkward. And <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been through uh, different church discipline scenarios um, recently as well. And almost never are they handled well are we talking like somebody within the congregation or like a pastor this was a um when i was a kid it was like just an attender Um, see like that seems like ooh, shouldn't that just be something that like the pastor talks with that person about yeah it felt like if it was a pastor it seems i'm assuming there was some conversation beforehand but it was it was very messy it was not great Mm -hmm. and then you have people that are like oh that was that is what should be done and then you have other people like this is terrible Mm -hmm. um but the interesting thing is um, in many scenarios that I can think of, and I can think of a handful, uh, there is never pursued restoration. Never. Mm-hmm. And the desire through discipline should always be that this person is brought back and restored. Um, but usually people just, you know, are released or they find another church or whatever. Well, it's kind of good then. It's like refreshing to hear Paul say that. Yeah, it's a, it's a good example for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is sometimes it gets missed. Like sometimes people just read 1 Corinthians 5 and they're like, oh, this is extreme. But this is yeah. like just another example of why you need to read the whole Bible and understand that it's... And also read 2 Corinthians yeah, chapter it's, it's one two. year later that Paul's like, hey, where is that guy? <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Um, so then we move into chapter 3. Um, anything that stuck out to you there? I'm kind of holding out for chapter 4. Yeah, not a lot. I mean, chapter 3... Uh, Paul's going to go on to talk more about the power of the spirit. And he is like, that's one of the things he's um, kind of contrasting is that there's this power of the world and then there's the power of the spirit and the power of the spirit is always more powerful. So that's basically chapter three. Always, you know, the rule, go back and read it for yourself. (laughs) So then we get to chapter four. And this is kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, starting in verse 13 and going to 16. Um, It says, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as the grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And here's the verse that was really sticking out to me. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And I think... The reason that this stuck out to me is, one, because we had read yesterday 
about our physical bodies and how um, a lot of people were confused that like, how does this body end up living throughout eternity? And Paul's reminding them like, this is not what we're with. Like your spiritual eternal body is going to be different than the one that you're living in. Um, So this stuck out because it's just another reminder to them, reminding them that, hey, your outer self, yes, it is wasting away. But as we grow closer and closer to the Lord, as we um, make that relationship a priority, our faith is going to be renewed day by day. So that like eternal self is being formed and strengthened. And I think that's important, not only just for me, uh, because I think doing this podcast has been exponentially helpful with renewing my my inner self day by day because I'm putting the time in, we are putting the time in to read God's word and try to understand it. And I think hopefully if you've been tracking with us for a long time, um, as you've been uncovering truths in the Bible that you just might not have even realized were there before, um, that you too are also um, not necessarily so sad about your body wasting away like Paul mentions, but just being encouraged that your inner self is being renewed day by day, the time that you put in to listen to um, God's word and reflecting on your part in his bigger plan. You think about, you talked about at the beginning, why this was written, uh, because people were kind of doubting him and what he was doing, and what his mission was, and they were like, I don't know that this guy's for real. It's really interesting that he talks so often about his outer self, like his natural self wasting away. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, his inner spiritual self. And there, there are two things. You can't separate them. So like it's two things that form one part, your, your physical and your spiritual. Um, but it's interesting that he is so often encouraged um, that he is growing in his love for other believers. He's growing in his love and his obedience to Jesus while he's being beaten. Like at, at one point he talks about like he bears the scars and the marks of an apostle, his outer body is being actively destroyed all the time. And yet, um, even though his outer self is wasting away, his inner self is being renewed day by day. Mm-hmm. So he's making that case that he is an apostle and he can be trusted. We can actually follow his example and know uh, that we are being renewed day in and day out by the Holy Spirit working in our lives, uh, revealing sin, calling us closer to Jesus, giving us uh, opportunities to care for other people. Uh, and that's a thing to be thankful for. Well, it's cool, too, to think about like Paul actually suffered these same things. So Paul has actually suffered quite a bit um, in his physical self, his outer self. Uh, but because of this, Paul emphasizes, kind of like what I was talking about earlier, although all these people are doubting him because of like all of the things that he has experienced, he's like, no, no, like those things, those outer um, experiences of suffering are all meant to draw me closer to the Lord and ultimately glorify him. Uh, so that's like a really cool contrast, I guess, even comparison to us as Paul has also suffered these same things and encouraging us, encouraging the Corinthian church um, that they will experience the same thing. So the your part, the exciting thing is we do not forcibly renew ourselves on our own. Mm-hmm. You don't wake up and muscle your way closer to Jesus. You allow the Holy Spirit that is in you, living in you, if you're a believer, um, to reveal to you the ways that you should be closer to Jesus. And God continually makes us into a new creation that is more and more like himself. We call that sanctification. And so we just encourage you to be uh, responding to those promptings, be obedient to those callings, so that you are, in fact, becoming more and more like Jesus. 
I would say another part of that too, when you said like, you can't just become these things, you can't do that on your own. I think another part is don't take God's word for granted either. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you already, you've already taken a good step in that direction as well, because we take the time to actually read through the scripture. But um, another way to do that is to to take the time to actually read God's word. I know you've described this before as it is God breathed. This is God's mm-hmm. breath um, coming into us, into our spirit, and um, renewing our spirit day by day if we take the time to actually do it. It certainly has been helpful to us. Our primary motivation in doing this has been utterly selfish in that we just wanted to uh, prioritize God's word in our lives. and But in so doing, inviting you along the way. We have benefited from it and seen its work in our own lives, and we're excited that uh, God is working in your lives as well. So we'll be back again tomorrow. Uh, we'll be looking at 2 Corinthians 5 to 9. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan Your Part. Don't forget, it is always more important that you listen to God's words rather than our words. So please stick around to hear the reading for the day uh, or go and find it in the Bible and read it yourself. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and write a review on whatever platform you are using to listen to us. Now that we have all that out of the way, here is the reading for today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Acacia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort for which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too, if we are afflicted. It is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure in the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and with godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so toward you. For we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand, and I hope you will fully understand, just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus you will boast of us, and we will boast of you. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first, so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia, and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, But in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. 
That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. But I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. For you stand firm in your faith. Chapter 2. For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. For if I cause you pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pained? And I wrote as I did, so that when I came I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you, that my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart, and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know that the abundant love that I have for you. Now if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to be put too severely to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough, so you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote, that I must test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for the sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Chapter 3 Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? For yourselves are our letter of recommendation— written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed in its glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to heaven, no glory at all, because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more what is permanent will have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. 
not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face, so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Chapter 4 Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven out to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.